0: All right, Well, good morning. We are glad you all are worshiping with us this morning. We are going to spend a couple of weeks as we get ready to head into the official school year, looking at sort of the mission and vision of our church. Where we're going to start is in Matthew chapter 28. It's called the Great Commission is what it's referred to often and We're going to look at how the disciples responded to Jesus's last command and what that means for us. But I don't know about you, but I've been in a few situations where I literally am just amazed at what's happening right in front of me. I don't know if you've had one of those times where you've thought, how is this even happening? How is this real? This is too incredible to even believe that this is happening right now. A few months back... I went to the hospital to, to visit somebody who was basically on, on life support. He had a tube that was helping him breathe, and it seemed like this situation didn't have much hope. I, I was thinking, this, this guy's really not going to last very long. Prayed with the family and, and left, and God brought him back. And then a few weeks after that, I was sitting in Panera, and I saw the same gentleman just walk in to Panera. On his own, just walked in and God had healed him. And I literally thought to myself, is this even real? Is this happening right now? This is unbelievable because we serve a God who can do unbelievable things. And I think that sometimes we look at the things around us and and we think, well, that's either too difficult, that that nothing really could happen in that situation. But God does unbelievable things things even for the disciples who knew him spent a ton of time with him saw him do amazing things we're going to see their reaction in the first couple verses we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 28 starting in verse 16 this is what happened then the 11 disciples went to Galilee there were 12 but now 11 because Judas is not with them at this point to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go When they saw him, they worshipped him. This is a man they saw crucified. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Now, I read that and I thought to myself, like, doubt? Why, Why are you doubting? This is a guy who you would see do amazing things, calm the sea, feed 5,000 people, heal people, bring people back from the dead, and yet when they see him, they worship him and they doubt. I think this is a really important part of our faith. A lot of people get upset with themselves or they think, well, I can't ever have any doubts in my mind. But doubt is a part of faith. We need to trust and have faith through our doubt but even the disciples, standing with the resurrected Christ on the mountain, worshipped him and doubted. That's, that's comforting for me, and I think it should be to you. Now I don't, I don't know where your faith is currently, but Jesus is doing something incredible in front of his disciples, and he can do incredible things in our lives as well. He meets with them this final time and says, look, I'm going to give you some marching orders. And they worship together, and then Jesus gives some description about what he's calling them to do. And the first thing that we're going to look at is the idea of grace. But Ogden Church has a vision statement and a mission statement. The vision statement is, is where we want to go, kind of the big picture idea of what the church is about. It says Ogden Church is a worshiping community seeking to glorify God. I don't know if any of you were here last week. We talked about the purpose of your life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, referencing the Westminster Shorter Catechism is a worshiping community seeking to glorify God and to develop people into fully devoted followers of Christ. Glorify God, develop people into fully devoted followers. And we do this through grace, growth, and gifts. And we're going to dedicate a week to each one of these areas of focus for us and our mission, how we want the vision to play out, but we're going to start out with grace. God's incredible, amazing grace that is meant for the entire world. We're going to look at these next few verses as a chunk together. Because lost people, people that are far from God, people that don't have hope, need to hear about God's grace. It's part of what God made us to do. Be a conduit through which his grace goes to people all over the world. And sharing God's grace means three things Jesus talks about here in his command to the disciples. That we go, we physically go to people... And we try to bring God's grace to them. New life is received, given to people through the blood of Christ. They're given new life. And people choose to follow and submit their lives to God. We go, new life is received, and people follow. In verses 18 through 20, these are Jesus' final words on this earth to his disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says, therefore, therefore, the implication is that it has an outplay in our lives because he has all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, we go to all nations. Because Jesus is who he is, the son of God, the creator of everything, has all authority over everything. This is what it means for us, people of faith. We go to those who are lost because God loves people. And we say God's grace is the most important thing anyone can have on this planet. So we go to them. We find ways to bring this valuable Eternal news to people who are lost and in darkness all over the world. We do everything we can to bring it to them. I was watching a documentary about some history of our country. And it talked about the the battle between two major families in the history of the United States. One was the Vanderbilt family, which was famous for the, the railroad transportation of goods and people all over the country. One of the wealthiest men in the country at the time. But then there was another guy by the name of Rockefeller who got into the oil industry and they struck a deal and Rockefeller made all this oil and and Vanderbilt was sort of taking advantage of him. He was transporting his oil all over the country, but then one day he realized how rich Rockefeller was becoming. He's like, this guy's pretty successful. So he started to jack up the price of what it was going to cost. And Rockefeller was like, I need to figure out another way to transport my oil all over this country without using trains. So he goes to his refinery, And he sees that all over the refinery, the oil is passed to different parts of the refinery through pipes. And this is how oil pipelines started. All over the country now, he decides, I'm going to bypass the trains to get my oil everywhere to the people that need it. Why? He was able to overcome crazy obstacles, think intuitively, come up with a brand new idea that nobody had ever thought of. Because what he had, he knew was valuable, and he was going to overcome obstacles to get it to the people that needed it. But for us, with the best message ever told, we often come up against obstacles with sharing our faith, sharing God's grace with people, and we say, well, I I can't do that. That'd be too hard. And we don't push through challenges and say, God, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm gonna to push to bring this unbelievably valuable message to people all over the world, go to every nation. This is why we have local missions. This is why. Because this message matters for everyone, not just people here, but equally so people in Haiti and in Peru. And Addison and Adrian. We support young life and missionaries and orphanages because Jesus said, All authority belongs to Him. Therefore, go and make disciples. You know, this, this virus thing has, has thrown us for a loop, right? Like, everybody's sort of trying to figure everything out. It's pretty intense in the world right now. I, I understand we're all trying to push through challenges. The The Global Missions is, is a part of our church where we were going to have a big weekend and try to raise some funds, and we're about 70% of the way to our goal, but I want to tell you a little bit more of what that means. Our, our goal was $25,000 to bring this incredible message to people all over the world and support our global missions. We we got about $12,500 five, $12, from the church budget, said, hey, we're going to come alongside of the congregation as we make our pledges to be a part of bringing this incredible news all over the world to people that need it. And and the church then has since come along with $4,500, which we're very, very thankful for. But that leaves us with a gap of about 8,000. And if 150 different people, which we'll have more than that, significantly more than that here in the building today, if 150 different people give around $50, we'd hit that goal. And if a few of us maybe pray about it and feel called to give a little more, then we'll exceed that goal, which would be incredible. But this is why we do it. Because Jesus said, all authority is given to me, therefore, go. His grace is the most important message anyone in this world could ever hear. And the Care Pregnancy Center is a place that we support. The Crisis Pregnancy Center. And there are people in this town that have fallen on surprisingly difficult times that need someone to tell them it's going to be okay. We're with you. We're going to walk alongside of you through this. Young life is, is reaching to kids in pain all over our county. These things matter. They matter to God. They should matter to us. And we then have the opportunity to become like the pipe that transfers the oil to people that need it, this valuable commodity. We become God's conduit to transfer this grace to people in need. We go, we go. This message that lost people need to hear of God's grace causes us to go. The next thing that happens is is new life is received, and that's just another section. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit baptizing people. We just had a baptism. It was incredible. There were 12 people that got baptized out at Lake Madison. It was wonderful. And that's what we say. We say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We quote this verse. And then when I baptize someone, I say, dead and buried with Christ, raised again to new life. Dead and buried with Christ, raised again to new life. How many of us wish we could have just a brand new start? A start over when, when you, you know you've woken up after a rough day, made some poor choices, and you're like, man, I wish I could start over. This is what God offers us, a new life, something wholly different. Like a caterpillar that transforms into a butterfly. It is something different than what it was before. Jesus, the blood of Christ, washes us, makes us new, gives us new life, something different. We go, and then new life is given through the Holy Spirit. When people are regenerated, I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was talking with a pastor recently about his youth pastor, and I I said, hey, that guy just seems super intelligent. Like, he, he seems like he's absorbing a ton of information very fast, and he started to tell me a little bit of his story. He said, this pastor said, I've seen God transform the lives of a lot of people. I've seen him just work and, and move in people's lives. He said, I've never seen God transform intellect in the same way I've seen it in this kid. He said when, when he was in high school, he graduated with a 1.7 GPA. I don't, I'm not sure how you graduate with a 1.7. He did. He got through. Never went to college but yet is steeped in some of the most intensely deep theological thinkers that we've ever seen. And he reads all of these books. I don't know if anybody's seen the movie Goodwill Hunting, but this is like sort of the experience of this guy. He said, God, the Holy Spirit just enlightened his mind and made him insatiable. He reads everything he comes across and retains it and is able to apply it to his life and to the lives of those around him. He's something completely different. Dead and buried with Christ, raised again to new life. You know, I went to seminary. I, I graduated from college. I've had conversations with this particular individual where I'm wondering, like, what are you even talking about? God just, he does it sometimes. He, he makes us something new in that newness is a sign of God's grace. He washes us clean again. We go to all corners of the world because lost people need to hear the message of this beautiful grace that God offers us on the cross. New life is received by people who once were dead and far from their heavenly father. And then people truly start to follow, submit and obey. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's not where it ends. It doesn't end with us just saying, God, I accept your grace. He continues, in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And one of the temptations that we have as spiritual leaders is to say, like, the easy things that we should give up or the things that we all would agree, like, those are pretty bad things. We need to stay away from the bad things. But you know what? There will come a time where your feelings aren't going to align with what God is asking you to do. And we need to say, who am I going to trust? Who am I going to obey? Myself, my feelings, or am I going to just choose to trust and obey God? No matter what. Because it's his will that matters. He is so much above me that whatever he asks me to do, I will do it. Even if I don't feel like that's the right thing in this particular instance. Like, for example, like local missions. Sometimes we hang on to our finances, especially when there's a uncertain economic climate that we're going through right now. We can hang on to those things, but what does it look like for us to say, God, I'm going to choose? to obey you, even if it doesn't necessarily line up. Lisa Turkhurst wrote a book called Radically Obedient, and in it she wrote, what if you woke up in a bad mood and just don't feel like being obedient? Choice. Obey based on your decision to obey, not on your ever-changing feelings. Our feelings especially for us as as Americans, become the driving force of why we make decisions. I didn't feel like it. I'm not interested. I don't want to. But true submission says, God, I I trust you even more than I trust myself. I know that you want what's best for me, and I'm going to say, look, even if everything in me wants to do this thing, I will not do that because I trust you. My feelings won't manipulate me or control me. I'm going to choose to be obedient. Now, where does this motivation for obedience come from? How can we live in freedom to obey instead of thinking that if I obey, I somehow get some credit before God? Because we're reminded over and over again in scripture that the saving gift that God gives us is not by our own merit. It's something that Jesus gives us as a free gift that he purchased on the cross that we can't purchase for ourselves. You know, imagine two people for a moment. One has lung cancer. Both of these people have lung cancer and, and it's really developed and far along and there's, there needs to be a change that takes place. And the doctor takes the person and says, hey, you, you, need, you need to quit smoking. It's crucial that you quit smoking. The person leaves the office and, you know, gets some patches and tries some gum. And, you know, I know you probably know somebody like this, kind of fallen on the wagon, off the wagon, on the wagon, off the wagon, tried to quit smoking, just can't get, can't get their way all the way there. And that's Motivating to hear a doctor say, you need to quit smoking for your own health. It would would really help you. But imagine a second person. Their lungs are shot. They go into the doctor. They say, look, uh, you are pretty far along in this, and you really need need some help. And then that, that person goes home from that appointment, and their father passes away. And as a result of their father passing away, they say, hey, he had really healthy lungs. We're going to take his lungs and we're going to transplant them into you. And you're going to get a fresh start because somebody you loved sacrificed for you to have a new beginning. Now you go in and and you get that transplant, you get new lungs. Do you think you would struggle with smoking after that? I'm guessing if it were me, I wouldn't touch a cigarette. I would, and I would joyfully walk away from it. I would be like, there's no way. I'm going to trample on the gift that I was given. This person allowed me to have a fresh new start. And this is obedience out of a place of relational love sacrifice. Jesus knows you. He loves you, and he died for you. And when we find ourselves living through the gift of God's grace, we can obey in freedom, not to earn something, but to say, God, I'm going to offer you everything because you gave everything for me. I will hold nothing back from you. Lost people need to hear this message of God's grace, so we go to them God gives new life, and people are called to follow after God. In his final sentence, he says here, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, I think part of this virus situation has caused us to feel pretty separated from each other. We don't feel like we're able to connect with other people very well. But for a Christian, for somebody who's submitted their life to Christ, been given this new life, and tries to live in obedience in this new life that we've been given, you're never alone. You are never by yourself. Jesus says, I am with you. Maybe you feel like it's too big of a task. Go to every nation? Go all over the world? I'm I'm, I'm supposed to help baptize people, bring people into this? God's going to use me to be a part of bringing people to new life? Real obedience following everything that he said? That sounds crazy. But then he ends it with, surely I am. I am with you always to the very end of the age. This task, it really is too big for any of us. But it's not too big and has never been too big for God. And when he is with us, there's nothing that's too big for us to take on. I watch a show with my kids sometimes. Like, they're kind of into (coughs) Bear Grylls and survival shows. And one of the things that he does is, is he'll go take... Uh, a Hollywood star, an actor who like stars in these films and seems like they're a very capable person, but actually, you know, they're just a Hollywood person. You know, they're stunt people that do the intense things. And they'll go out with bare Grylls, and they'll go into a situation that by themselves, they surely would die on their own. But Bear Grylls figures out all these survival techniques. He's like, this is how we need to belay down this cliff. And this is how we can start a fire. And this is how we can catch food so we can survive. He knows all the things that need to be known to survive and live and thrive. Even when many of us on our own wouldn't be able to do it. And this is exactly the situation a Christian finds themselves in. A world that's trying to take us down. Enemies that are trying to deceive and lie and kill and destroy and cause division everywhere. But we need to hear that still small voice in our hearts. If you're a follower of Christ, and if you're not, this is what you could have Jesus whispering in our ear I'm with you, I'm with you always even to the very end of the age. Let's pray, and then we'll close. God, thank you for your word, for how you are at work in our lives, even through the pain, through difficulty. You do not leave us alone, and thank you for the confidence that believers have, that everyone can have through the cross that we are not alone. Thank you for your presence, Father. May we live in awareness that lost people need your grace and that we are never alone. We love you, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Ogden Church. We would love to have you join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 10:30 a.m. If you would like any more information, you can find us on Facebook or at ogdenchurch.org.